So, for those of you familiar with the My Take lore, or basically for those of you that have been around, you know that Funny You Should Ask by Elisa Sussman is one of my favorite rom-coms. It was really moving to me and really inspiring. It actually was what got me to write what ended up becoming my first blog post. So, I loved the book so much. I had such great feelings for it. I will link my episode on that book in the show notes for this one. But that is why when I found out she was writing another book, I was like, oh my god, have to be there, have to do it. And so today we are talking about Once More With Feeling by Elisa Sussman. And this is a book that is very similar to her first book in the setup. We have celebrity lost love. We have dual timelines. We have like they had something back then and now it's been a really long time and they're being forced together and it's like, will there, won't they have something now? And I enjoyed this book. It was a cute little rom-com, but I think I might have enjoyed it more had I not read Funny You Should Ask because there was just too many parallels for me to really be convinced that not I was gonna say convinced that they were separate books and that's not true they are definitely separate books they have unique aspects about them but I think reading both of them in not quick succession but like having that book make such an impact on me and then reading this one and it just feeling like the same thing but not as good kind of left me with that opinion I still think like I enjoyed my time reading it. It was really interesting. I was here for all the drama. But if you've read Funny You Should Ask, it doesn't hit the same way for me, at least. And that was like my biggest takeaway of the book. However, I am still really excited to talk about it because I think there's so many fun things. So books, TV, music, and movies, all things that make a big impact on everyone. I'm constantly gushing about my latest street to anyone who listen, so I figured I'd turn my rambling into something coherent that people actually listen to, which means no tuning out halfway through. I'm Maya Ghosh, and this is my take. So, as always with the book, we're going to start with a little bit on the writing, and as I mentioned in the little intro section, I think there was just so many parallels to the writing of Funny You Should Ask. Now, if you haven't read Funny You Should Ask, great, you're gonna love this book. If you have, I think there's some things that are hard to deny, like the fact that Cal was the first American man to be James Bond in this universe. And I'm pretty sure the love interest in Funny You Should Ask, he either was the first American man to be James Bond or he was very close to being chosen to be the first American man to be James Bond. And so that's just kind of something that I'm like, I understand if you want your books to be in the same like cinematic universe, like with Taylor Jenkins Reid, there are little things that pop up everywhere in her books that show that they're in the same universe. Like the fact that Carrie Soto and Carrie Soto is back is reading Daisy Jones and the Six. Even though it doesn't say she's reading Daisy Jones and the Six, she's like, oh yeah, she's reading an unapproved like 
book about this band and you know that that's Daisy Jones. Now, I could be misremembering about Funny You Should Ask, and if so, then I wish there was a little bit more on how, like, Cal and that love interest were maybe possibly connected because that would have made it feel more like we're reading the Eliza Sussman cinematic universe as opposed to her, like, recycling or nearly recycling, like, plot points. But there was that. And then just, I love when authors, like, find a niche. And I think the, like, lost love and dual timelines is really interesting. And I think she does it really well. I just, there was something about it that made it so similar that just made me, like, not be able to love it as much. And, like, I do have to point out some of the differences in the fact that Funny You Should Ask is literally this whirlwind weekend. And so the next time they made up, I think it is a weekend again, or it's, like, a only slightly extended period of time. Whereas this is, like, really long extended periods of time. And in this one, they're both, like, in the public eye. Not one of them's in the public eye and one of them's just a writer. Just a writer. One of them is a writer, so she's not, like, obviously a celebrity. This one has to do with theater, whereas the other one was more about movies, I think. Because I think they end up doing some theater in the other one, or that's how he ends up doing it is being in theater I don't know basically there was a lot of parallels which were some drawbacks I think one of the places Elisa actually really shines with her writing is mental health representation I think that was one of the things I loved so much about funny you should ask was I struggle with depression and there was really amazing depression representation in that book and I think I don't struggle as much with anxiety, so I can't speak to it, but there was representation for anxiety in this book, and I think that readers who do struggle with it will appreciate it. I think any book that is able to give some accurate depictions of a mental health issue will not, also not having it be the entire issue, right? Because there are some books that, like, mental health is front and center, and that's the way it needs to be. Personally, I think we reach the era of true representation when something can be a facet of a story but does not have to be the entire facet of the story and so I really liked that with the mental health representation but I think that is all I have to say on the writing so now we're going to jump in to the plot okay wonderful people of my take I have a really exciting opportunity to tell you about I am a brand ambassador for Sierra Madre Golf. For those of you who don't know, I'm a college golfer. I'm actually going into my senior year, which makes me really sad. But I have never been one to adhere to really strict traditions when it comes to golf. I, up until this year, played with a pink golf ball. I have a glove that doesn't have fingers, like I do all those things. And Sierra Madre is a brand that makes female golf clothes that are not necessarily edgier, but they're definitely different. They're more flattering, they're more free, they have dresses and things that are slightly cropped and stuff, and I just really love their pieces. I have the mock neck tee, and I think it's the perfect practice round, practice shirt, 
love it so much. It's a great alternative to a polo. And so you guys can get 10% off your order if you click the link below or if you use code MAYAG, all caps, when you check out. So yeah, definitely go check out Sierra Madre. And even if you're not a golfer, it's great workout athletic attire. They have great options. And tag me in pictures if you buy things. So yeah. So we're going to tackle the plot first in back then and then in now because otherwise I will just get too confused and keep jumping back and forth. So back then she meets Cal at this theater camp that she is like desperate her whole life to go to and she finally convinces her parents and she is like this is my one big break and here's Cal who Cal is not in the boy band yet. Cal is just Cal from theater camp and they meet and they just they have their vibes we finally at the very end of the book realized that one of the last nights they were in theater camp they like kissed on the roof and that was like her first kiss and it was really cute because she also just like ran away from him afterwards but it's always like oh what happened on the roof though like what happened on the roof isn't really like that big of a mystery because you more so know like oh yeah like they probably just had a moment on the roof. The real big mystery with back then is, like, what happened to fuck up all these relationships and why they're not talking anymore. Except you do kind of know that because you go into it knowing that she was villainized for cheating on Ryan with one of his bandmates and she got drugged through the mud in the press and stuff. And we are obviously Team Cal even, like, in the very beginning, you can tell her relationship with Ryan sucks, and, like, he's really doing it for the publicity, and it's just, like, awful, and I don't appreciate it, especially because, basically, in the back then, you're just kind of dipping in and out of moments of their lives, whereas it feels like the right now is more continuous and more linear as plot goes, so, like, back then, we jump into they're celebrating somebody's birthday, and they're going out to do karaoke, and she had always really struggled with her persona as Katie Rose and how her people, like, her team wanted her to sing, and the fact that, like, she actually genuinely has a really amazing voice, and so she, like, does a song as her, like, Katie Rose persona, and then she's like, fuck this, like, I'm gonna sing How I Know I Can Use My Voice, and stuns the entire room, except for Cal, because Cal has obviously heard her sing at camp, but even Ryan, her fucking boyfriend, doesn't know that she can sing, so you can tell that it's just, like, not, not really going well over there, and even, like, every time you dip in and out of it, like, you see Cal connects with her so much more than Ryan connects with her. And Cal vibes with Harriet, who's her best friend. Whereas Ryan kind of merely tolerates Harriet and stuff. And it was really funny when Kathleen was trying to set up Harriet and one of the other band members. Because I remember reading something. There was just like a blip in the fact that like the last two band members that were not Cal and Ryan were always, like, going off together to, like, hang out and stuff, and I was like, 
oh, they're totally together together. Like, they're totally a couple and no one wants them to be out because, like, boy band members can't be gay or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it was probably a whole publicity thing, but that was very funny when they were like, oh, yeah, like, let's set you up. And then it turns out not only is Harriet gay, which becomes a whole thing, but the two band members are gay, too. And that actually really broke my heart, the fact that Harriet didn't feel like she could tell Katie that she was gay until Katie's entire life was falling apart. But that is for later. So Ryan doesn't know she can sing, which is ridiculous. And then they are doing this like Macy's, I think it's the Macy's Day Parade thing and basically they're on this float and Katie was supposed to be in the crow's nest alone and they're like Katie's like I really can't do this like this is ridiculous and so does her boyfriend go up there no her boyfriend wants to be at the start of the show and the bottom of the float so Cal goes up there even though he's scared of heights and while they're up there pressed against each other he's like yeah so I love you and she is like grappling with her feelings but knows that like she also does love him or have feelings for him and can't be with Ryan. And so she's supposed to deal with her relationship with Ryan, but ends up sleeping with Cal first. And then literally later that night or like the next day, Ryan proposes on stage and she says yes, because she's so freaked out by the fact that everybody on stage is chanting for her to say yes. And then obviously later says no and it causes this whole fallout because she didn't deal with Ryan and Cal doesn't want to be like the sloppy seconds and it's just like causes this whole entire fight that then leads to the breakup and the public like dragging through the mud and takes us to about 10 years later which is when we meet Kathleen who is forced to audition for her best friend Harriet's new play even though the role was written for her and Cal unprompted has her sing memory at the audition and she's like what the fuck like they are so at odds this entire time in the like early stages it's like almost enemies to lovers but you know it's not enemies because they're just like hurt by each other but they actually do like there's probably still feelings there or whatever but he has her sing memories and she's like what the fuck and he's like yeah well you're so fucking good that I can't look away and I was like I was stunned a little speechless by that one because I was like, ooh, this man. And then she meets Whitney and Sammy at the museum. And Whitney is one of Cal's closest college friends and Sammy is her son. And so, like, we're seeing them slowly integrate into each other's lives, even though, like, they're really at odds and they know that they have to have this professional relationship. It's, like, really strange because they're slowly integrating into each other's lives But then also the sexual tension is crazy and they have this huge fight, which like doesn't actually resolve anything, but it leads to them fucking. So it resolves like the sexual tension, but because it resolves the sexual tension, Kathleen now has to lie to Harriet and I hate that the vibes with Harriet are off. Like I am such a like friends person I'm like no like you fix your relationship with your friends before you fix your relationship with your significant other like marriage can end in divorce like friendships end in death is my thought process and so I was not 
okay with that at all. And it continues for such a long time, too, because they go to, like, out-of-town rehearsals and, like, performances, and that ends up being the theater where Camp was, which is really cute, and Cal remembers that she loves stale candy and puts it in her dressing room. And then they're, like, doing the show, and they're all super proud of it, but they are having a hard time selling out the show. So Kathleen is like, let's go to this karaoke bar. And they do karaoke to promote the show. And it's so good. And they're dancing together and singing together. And it's just so cute. And like afterwards, he does finally apologize for like how everything shook out back then. And then Harriet finds out about them, which sucks, but also was necessary. And Kathleen's decision is to break up with Cal which like I was I know I just said I'm such a friends person and I am but I was not happy about the way that Kathleen dealt with things with Cal because Cal was like I'm not going to give you another chance like I cannot put my heart out there again with you like it just never goes well and so I was like why don't you like, explain this situation and talk about how maybe you need to, like, cool off for a bit because, like, Harriet is a really important person to you and you need to mend your relationship with Harriet and you can't do that while also being in a relationship with him, you know? Like, I was just not happy with that. And then, of course, because I'm not happy with that, Ryan pops back up and is like, oh, we should get back together because suddenly her name's back in the press and he's, like, a publicity whore. But we tell him to fuck off and then we patch it up with Harriet, which I appreciated that we patched it up with Harriet first. And all this time we've been talking about how Harriet wrote an entire album of her best songs for Katie and Katie was trying to push her label to get her to do it and they never wanted to and then they were going to do it and then all of this happened and like she got dropped and so... They are finally going to do the album, and then we get to an after party for, I think, like, if not opening night, like, opening week, and she finds Cal and is, like, he's, like, whoa, 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 like, stop talking, and she's, like, no, 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 I have to get this out, and confesses her love, and the reason he was, like, whoa, stop talking is because he was mic'd up, because he was going to give a speech, but then, like, everybody's super happy for them, so it was really cute. And on that note, to wrap up this episode, I think the ending of this book felt kind of rushed to me. That is a note that I had. But overall, it was a really cute rom-com. I'm never going to love it as much as I love Funny You Should Ask. And I think it was just too many parallels too soon for me. But it was still a really cute book. And I think if celebrity rom-coms are your thing, like, you will eat this shit up. It's so cute. And so, yeah. I have been Maya Ghosh, and this has been my take on Once We're a Feeling by Elisa Sussman. Thanks for listening. So we're kind of a one-woman show here at My Take, so the credits are not going to be very long. This podcast is produced and edited um, by me. I do all of my own social media. The only person I really have to thank is one of my great friends, Paris, who did the music that is in the intro and that you're listening to now. So thank you, Paris, and thank you all for listening. You can reach me at underscore my take on Twitter and Instagram, and please leave a rate or review wherever you listen to this podcast. That helps a ton. So yeah, thanks for listening.